Jason Bowman were here on the hub the exponentials uh platform we're glad to have you uh i just what an honor today's call got worlds coming together here i think the, i think this is uh out of all the episodes this is episode 11 as we're rethinking the church and trying to crack the code of ministry in the 21st century uh we've got author and church multiplication network founder steve pike uh and him and i hosting a call with the church multiplication director the cmn director jeffrey portman and today's gonna be a great great conversation as we re as we recommit to multiplication that's not just additional growth this is like right in the right at the center i know of exponentials heart and mission and values is not just additional growth but exponential growth multiplication growth planting churches that plant churches that plant churches we've got two gurus for that conversation but i know many of you that are watching this on this exponential platform you're already doing the same thing so we would just value your input and your questions today. Um, you can drop those in the chat as we watch, uh, and we will make sure we get to those questions. But Steve, we got we got so we got some we you wrote a fantastic chapter about recommitment to multiplication. You started yeah. the church multiplication network. We're talking with a church planter who's now leading the multiplication network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this this is uh man, the book sort of almost the, the climax of the book is almost this idea that everything else we've been talking about kind of leads to this mentality that multiplication is normal. And, and, and that was something that kind of got lost in the shuffle in 20th century church. We got, we got uh, the 20th century church tended to focus on, you know, growing one thing bigger and bigger and bigger and getting really good at that. And um, what, what happened was it actually, we, we lost part of the DNA of what makes the church move forward, the church that Jesus is building. And that's this multiplication component. But it's not just, multiplication is, is not just a, uh, you know, kind of a strategy. It's actually baked into everything that God creates. I mean, he makes, you know, plants reproduce, animals reproduce, people reproduce. And churches were everything God makes is designed to reproduce. And, and that's the church has that in the fundamental DNA. So what we're really talking about is recommitting to that fundamental DNA that is part of the church. And I am super excited to have our guest with us today, Jeffrey Portman, because, uh, you know, yeah, I, I was the founder of the Church Multiplication Network, Network, which is sort of the intentionality being expressed by this movement called the Assemblies of God in the United States. It's the intentionality toward creating an atmosphere, a, a crucible for multiplication, helping our, the churches that are part of that fellowship become reproductive. But the cool thing is CMN is not just only helping AG, it's, it's really helping a lot of people move forward. And so anyway, that I, I kind of was privileged to be in the, the startup thing, but then Jeffrey has come along and we had another guy, Chris um, Rayleigh, who was, was in between us uh, and, and Chris fixed some of the mess that I created. And now Jeffrey is cleaning up the rest of the mess that I created. But so Jeffrey, man, it is really good to have you here. And, and I hope you can forgive me for making your life difficult because of all the stupid things I did. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll tell you what, Steve, uh, I don't say this just on here, but I publicly and privately, uh, we, we, that quote that if I can see further, it's because I stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before me and that's you, that's Chris and someone will follow us unless Jesus comes back. So uh, thanks for the vision and the heart you, you brought to this. And 
yeah, we, we are fired up about uh, the church. I mean, we, the big K kingdom, the capital C church. And, you know, I love that we're just like joining the disciples or joining uh, the early Christians in following and bringing the gospel to the world after we're personally transformed and continue to be. So uh, I'll say one other thing about multiplication. I, I mean, I'm not a grandparent yet, but everyone who is, they're like, man, being a grandparent's way better. And, and I think the idea of healthy things multiply in general, that's just, you know, the, the joy of seeing multiplication, even it, it takes addition to get to multiplication, but addition yeah. shouldn't stop there. It should continue on. And so um, we're fired up about that here at CMN and in the Assemblies of God and just part of this incredible tribe of exponential. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. So good. And, uh, you know, my, my background was before I uh, became involved in, in helping to start CMN, uh, I had been a pastor. I planted a church that planted churches that planted churches. And so that was, that was kind of baked into my personal experience. And, you know, sometimes people look at people like me and you that are sitting in these denominational leadership roles and they wonder how we got there, you know? And I love the fact <laughs> that you, your background, you know, it's like, you've got street cred. I mean, when you talk to a church planner, who's just getting started, you still remember <laughs> what that felt like in those early days. And then when you talk to a pastor, who's thinking about multiplying the church, you remember what that feels like too, as you begin to anticipate, Hey, we're, we're kind of a young church and now we're thinking about, you know, do, making it more complicated by, or at least it feels that way uh, by, by multiplying. So why don't you just take us back to, yeah. you know, you started a church and maybe even talk about that a little bit. What, like, what were some of the things that you laid in place and then how in the world at a relatively young age, did your church begin to, to multiply out there? Tell us about that. Well, okay. So if you would have asked me eight years ago, nine years ago, what do you think your future will be? I, I would say I would take an existing church. My wife and I love the local church, right? Um, and we would take an existing church and infuse multiplication DNA into it. By the way, we need a bunch of people to do that, right? But yeah. we got a phone call from a, a church that was that, 90 years old, real strong church, but they had multiplied. And so we, my wife and I fasted and prayed. And we said, okay, Lord, what are you saying to us? And like three days later, we came back together. And we felt like God said, door A is take this existing church and, and really begin to shift the culture from uh, what's happening just in the building. And, you know, they love the community, but they hadn't multiplied, right? They hadn't thought um, addition even. That's door A. Door B is start from scratch with this multiplication in the DNA. So we chose door B. We quit our jobs. We moved an hour from where we had lived for 20 years, same house for 10, same job and church for, you know, 16, um, to start New Hope Church. And we, we really started with what we call the vision of five and five. And that was to plant five churches in five years. And it was funny because so many people were like, man, you, you should probably just really get good at doing the one. And of course, <laughs> competitive, right? And so I'm like, we might do seven. And then kind of gave that, that face. But that wasn't out of rebellion. It was like, this is what God asked us to do. And, and so often, I think people will reflect and say, I could never do that, whatever the, that is. I, I mean, people have planted hundreds of churches, right? I could never do that. But the question is, what does God ask you to do? So obedience is the bullseye for every one of us, okay? Mm. But mm. we launched um, um, New Hope with the, in the DNA uh, multiplication. And we actually, you know, have a, a napkin dream 
and I have a picture of it. Um, and it's the hub and then these communities around. And we just felt like God had uh, put in us this, this idea that we're better together and that we can go further faster if we're collaborative, um, shared mission, shared vision. And yet each of our campuses were live teaching. And people have said, hey, are you anti-video? Not I love video, but when we started, the video would have been so poor quality, <laughs> you wouldn't want us to replicate it, right? So, but also it, it began to really attract such incredible, sacrificial, high caliber people who quit their jobs to say, I'll volunteer to be on the team. And then, you know, God would, would um, position them to launch campuses. And so we did, we launched five churches in five years. And at the five-year birthday, and I'll finish with this, at our five-year birthday, we cast vision of what we called um, the next five, each one, add one. Because we had done addition, but what we wanted to see, and this is still a vision of the church, Pastor Rodney and Kate Wardwell are leading that, um, is that these campuses would multiply, right? right? Healthy things reproduce. So that, and then, um, you know, COVID started. And so that, that's still in the DNA. There are two campuses that are being birthed right now. Um, and I don't want to speak for them, but there's... The, the vision continues. That's, That's awesome. so cool. Hey, uh, if you're just tuning in, uh, we are talking with Church Multiplication Network uh, Director Jeffrey Portman, uh, who started New Hope Church. And uh, boy, when you're talking about those foundations, Jeffrey, I know I grew up just south of where you were pastoring. This isn't this, this isn't the Bible Belt. It's the Pacific Northwest. It's kind of pre-Christian. So maybe you're watching. You're saying, "Well, I'm in a tough spot. I'm in a I'm in a hard place." Um, I would say uh, for those that are in the Bible Belt, there's no easy places. <laughs> you know, there's no home court advantage here in ministry. Uh, but uh, if you're watching, say, boy, yeah, but I'm not in a place that is super conducive. Uh, there's not a bunch of Christians looking uh, to connect. Drop your questions in the chat because you're talking to two guys uh, that that that's their heart is they that Jeffrey did it in the Northwest. Steve, your book and, and our online community that we've been able to create is all about planting in the hard places. And yeah. so these concepts of multiplication aren't just for the South. No, again, no offense. I know it's difficult everywhere, but there are some places that, boy, there's a lot of Christians that are moving in and you can just launch campuses and do that, but it'll work anywhere. Am I right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And that's a perfect segue to a question. I, I didn't warn Jeffrey had asked this question, but I know I've heard him tell a story about how he started the church the initial new hope, the very sort of the, the, the first expression of this multiplying community or this movement. And um, I, I, I think it's really important. I always like to emphasize like at the root, at the heart of the multiplication of the church is the multiplication of disciples. And you, you personally got involved in that in the early days. And I've heard you talk about like how you connect with your neighbor and stuff, just just to remind us, to keep us rooted, that this isn't just a strategy. This is a normal thing in the kingdom, and, it, and the foundation of church multiplication is disciples multiplying. So talk to us about what you learned there, Jeffrey. Well, I think at some point, like, you can't ask people to do something you're not and yeah. expect there to be high, high engagement or buy-in. And so, you know, there's duplicity when you, when you start to, to think or live that way. So uh, I, was, I, I didn't ask anyone to give. If I'm not given or pray or sacrifice or, you know, uh, present the gospel. So I, I think one of the early indicators that God was leading us down this road was the first Saturday we lived in a brand new community 
we literally knew nobody. Okay. Yeah. And we, we, you know, we didn't, we didn't say, Hey, we're going to parachute in and put a a frame sign in thousands of people. That's not the Northwest. Right. right. Um, so we just began to pray, God, give us people of peace um, and, and connections in the community. Well, first day I'm there, I'm watering my lawn and my neighbor walks by Tony and he's like, yeah, I have some tattoos that are declarations in my face, right? We, we say, is it a decoration or a declaration? And, um, and so I just said, hey, these are declarations of my faith in Christ. In fact, we moved here to start a church. And he says this, he just retired as a captain in the Air Force Friday, the day before, this is a Saturday. And he says, you know, people have always said that I should be a pastor, but I, I don't know anything about the Bible. Can you help me? <laughs> I'm like, like, if you ever wonder, did God call you somewhere? Like, this is like <laughs> a, right? Fast forward, we would launch the church nine months later and uh, as far as public gatherings. And him and his wife, Sarah, were the first people, still gets me, to say yes to Jesus. Like, we had a connection card, right? And he added a box to add her name. So her and, and him, they both, Sarah and Tony, both accepted Christ. First people we baptized, we almost killed him. It was so cold. We were at the movie theater. We're outside. <laughs> the heater broke. I got in. I might have said some Christian swear words, right? I'm like, oh. so, but that is the, that's the why behind the what of church planting and church multiplication is mm-hmm. people that don't know Jesus, whew, new life, yeah. fresh start, their marriage, second marriage, like strengthened. And so the, you, you, live, you live it out. And then people like, this is actually part of who you are. Not just yeah. what you talk about. I'll say also this. We, we said all the time in New Hope, and I say it at CMN, people will often see the gospel before they hear it. They'll yeah. see it in you, how you interact, uh, what you care about, what you preach and pray about, and how you just love people. And they're getting glimpses of the gospel, of who Jesus is, and, and how he can transform their life before they hear about it. That's so good. That's so good. Live it before you lead it. <laughs> well, I love and, this because if we're talking about multiplication and seeing, you know, a, a network or starting a network of churches or starting church planters, you know, growing them. It's not just about uh, this corporate thing. It's, it's, it's still rooted in discipleship, one-on-one, neighbor to neighbor, like that. That is the church. I know, Steve, you wrote a lot about that. In fact, I just want to make everyone aware, and we can drop a link also uh, to the calculator, Steve, that you talked about. We've talked about in other episodes. We have an interactive uh, landing page that they can go to today to punch in. How many of those kinds of conversations am I having? Um, how many do I need to have if I want to, you know, cause then on top of those conversations, out of those conversations, lots of those flows, discipleship flows. And then hopefully that is what is then pushing us into the gathering, not just let's have a big gathering. You've got a great, uh, kind of a, uh, you know, proactive calculator nextwave.community slash tools. Uh, any listener today can go access that nextwave.community slash tools. They can start dropping in some proactive measurements before you just launch and see how many people show up. Uh, that goes right along with what Jeffrey's talking about. And I know we're about to get into like some of the hurdles and, and uh, both in the local uh, multiplication, but then also at the national level. Um if you're watching and you've got questions, both local or national or for your own ministry, drop them in the chat. We'll be sure to get to them. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Jason. Uh, so, Jeffrey, as you think back on those initial days, I mean, 
as you said, people were saying, hey, make sure you focus on the church first and then you can start that, which is true. There's there's a lot of truth in that. You do have to get make sure that startup uh, that 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 sending church is healthy and strong. But as you then begin to take steps toward multiplication, what were some of the hurdles that you ran into and how did you get past those hurdles? What, what are just some practical counsel for that? Well, I think if, you're, if your church is going to multiply, you can't talk about it on like one series. It just <laughs> has to be what you talk about. It's like, who, this is who we are. Right? Yeah. I, don't, I don't in one moment say I love my wife. I'm like, I just love my wife, right? That's so good. I think one of the hurdles is people will always want everything to be lined up and perfect before they lean in. When I say people, a, a segment of your church and your, even your leadership team, um, yeah. And you need those checks and balances, right? I'm like uh, the Batterson ready, fire, aim. I, I, I resound with that, right? But this isn't, you just risk it all and, and there's no strategy. It's not that, but you don't wait. You can't wait for everything to be all lined up or you'll never, you'll never step out, right? So yeah. one of the hurdles is not allowing the naysayers or the are we ready yet crew to dictate the pace. Now, again, you're not unwise, you're not rebellious. You're not, I'm sticking it to them. This is about the gospel transforming lives and new churches reach more people. That's just fact, right? So, but you started this, that question, Steve, with a great point. And that is you want to replicate health, not dis-ease. So I think, I think people can wait too long, but I also think you can go too soon. So we, we, didn't, we launched our second campus 10 months in because we had the right, we had the num- right people. We had the resources. We had a need in the community and we had the margin to do it, right? And if, if it took us two years to do that, that would have been fine too, but we were ready at 10. And what that did was that set in motion, we're actually going to do this. So at some point you actually have to execute what you talk about or you lose credibility. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, and and so that's that's great. That's a, that, that's, that is so apropos and uh, very wise counsel at the local level. So let's, let's jump to your current seat that you sit in. You've been in there. What, how long have you been there now? I forget. Just, just over a year. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I, and, and I know one of the shifts that you've gone through is, you know, kind of viewing multiplication at that one local thing. And you had to do it very contextually. I mean, there's principles that are universal and, and that's what I want to talk about, but but you had to figure out how those principles applied in your exact situation. But now you, you've got this, uh, you're sitting uh, at a place where there's a lot of, you're experiencing a lot of different approaches and different ways of, of uh, multiplication. And um, you, you, you're, you're seeing different people do different things. Anyway, I'm just curious, what new insights have you gained from your seat interacting with, with all this creativity out there in the, in the CMN network? Well, the church is beautiful. The church is not going anywhere. It, it, and this might be semantics. You, you hear people say the church is the hope of the world. I believe Jesus is the hope of the world and the church is the vehicle. Now, no, no, like I'm not like dying on that hill, but I'm just saying the church is like God's plan to rescue humanity. And we bring the good news of the gospel, right? So the, what are things that, that I'm a, a, a discovering? It, it always, God always uses a leader. When I say leader, a person, right? A man or a woman who says, yes, I'll step out in courage and faith. Um, we say this at CMN, that our, our vision is a healthy church in every community 
and that includes yours. So whether that's rural, urban, suburban, or anything in between. So we have online campuses that are launching. We have, we have house churches. So the church doesn't look a way. The church is not a model. It is multiple expressions. And I think that's the beauty and the diversity. It's young and old. It's, it's every ethnicity. It's just powerful. So uh, some of the ahas is there's so many ways to be and do church that I think we always come back to. And Steve, you helped form this in the foundation. We come back to teaching principles, um, people. And I'll say this often when I'm coaching or consulting with the church, some people need a prescription. Okay. When I go to the doctor, the doctor doesn't say, Hey, what do you think we should do here? They're like, Hey, I'm going to give you a prescription. So I don't go to the pharmacy and say, I'd like to get this. Like, no, there's a prescription, right? It's specific. But then other people in, in the season they're in, they need a playbook. And a playbook has multiple options, right? But there's not like just do whatever. No, there's got to be a strategy. And that's where our principles, uh, I think, are, are interchangeable. Whatever your community, if it's an urban village, if it's inner city, um, if it's suburban. Um, but you come back to God uses leaders, a man and a woman. He always calls people. But then we do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and Jesus is the main and always will be the main, the main character of our story. We don't, we preach as Paul says, Christ and him crucified. And anytime you get away from that, you have mission confusion or mission drift. And the church begins to be about uh, other things that are not gospel centered. Yeah. That is so good. Yeah. I I remember uh, when, when uh, Dr. George Wood, who was the predecessor to Doug Clay, who is now the general superintendent and CEO of the assemblies of God, Dr. Wood had written this Well, I was the church planning leader and he had written this book that church planning was going to be one of our five mm-hmm. core values that we we're going to focus on. And that freaked me out a little bit because I knew George was kind of a suit and tie guy. And he went to Central Assembly, which is a very kind of conservative, you know, very tr- traditional kind of feeling church there in Springfield, Missouri. And I thought, man, I wonder if he thinks that all the churches need to look like that, you know. So I went into his office and I asked him, you know, hey, what kind of church can be an Assembly of God church? And he said, uh, quoting a Chinese emperor or somebody, I, he's such a brilliant guy. You know, he's like the smartest guy in any room. And uh, he, but his quote was, I don't care what color the cat is, as long as it catches mice. <laughs> and I said, okay, I think I get what you mean. And what he did mean was, you know, the, the model, the mode, the, the approach, we couldn't care less. What we do care is our disciples being made, you know, and if disciples are being made. So that, you know, with, with his blessing, man, you know, it allowed us as a movement to really open up the channel of what we thought about when we said, let's plant a new church. It didn't have to look like one particular thing. And I know you're continuing that, which leads us to the next question I have for you. Recently, I think you posted a, I don't know where it came up, but J- Jason saw it. I actually didn't see this, but Jason Bowman saw this and he told me, you're, you're talking about right now, the Assemblies of God has about 13,000 churches nationwide. And the goal is over the next five years to increase that to 15,000, which would be an historic pace of expansion for this movement. I don't think it's ever grown that fast ever. Uh, And um, so I would love to have you talk to us about that. What that sounds kind of because I know it's that doesn't just mean plant two thousand churches. Because there's always churches that are closing, and so you're tell us about that. What's what yeah. is that about? Well, it really comes out of uh, my boss, our, our our 
you know, general superintendent, Doug Clay's heart to see people who don't know Jesus come to faith. Right. So that, that is behind the, the, the crux of all of it is Jesus transforms lives. Okay. And he uses the church to do that. So it really probably means, um, you know, Stephen, Jason, it probably means about 4,000 to 4,500 churches over the next five years. And again, you know this, we've never done this. This is going to be epic and historical, right? But I love that there's, so when we talk about casting vision, it's three C's. It's got to be clear, it's got to be compelling, and it's got to be consistent. And I love that we're just saying, listen, we're, we're all in. The, the, the church multiplication, church planting reaches and, and brings the gospel into communities that either it hasn't been there for a while or it needs a, a, another expression. And it churches see more people come to faith, new churches, than existing that's not a, a shade on existing churches. I've taught on pioneers and settlers. And uh, the bottom line is pioneers actually come out of settlements, right? And mm-hmm. so uh, a settler doesn't mean you've settled. It means you're leveraging your resources, your, your prayers, your, your leadership capacity to help someone else pioneer. Well, that's what we have as a burden. It's our existing 13,000 churches to help, help, help as settlements, help other people to pioneer. Some of the hows, the, the, the ways we'll accomplish that. We are, we are asking, what does it look like for every region? So there's, we put our nation into eight regions. What does it look like for them to plant 125 churches a year? So it, it actually becomes really scalable. And actually, when you break it down, you're like, that doesn't actually sound super faith-filled, <laughs> right? But it is, <laughs> and we've never done it. But it's churches saying, we can, we can reproduce. We're going to play a part in, in helping someone say yes to God's call to multiply. And so regions have the capacity to do to collectively what it will be difficult for an individual church to do. With that said, CMN doesn't plant churches. Right. Districts and networks, honestly, they don't plant churches. Churches plant churches. So it's having this clear and compelling and consistent vision of multiplication of what does it look like for us to resource, relationally connect, and to rally around people that God said, I'm calling you to do this. How can we accomplish that? So that's where CMN, as you know, um, comes alongside. And we can be wind into people's sales. Um, and also a listening ear, because there's so many innovations of, of uh, church planting that some, some of the best things have never even been attempted yet. And we create pathways for that. Man, that's exciting. And yeah, it is, uh, you know, one of the things you, you didn't mention that, that makes that vision really big is that the, unfortunately, the overall trend for the church right now seems to be moving in the opposite direction. If you look at the trajectory of most church, church planning organizations or movements, we're doing less, we're, we're, we're taking some steps back. And so in the middle of a season where the headwinds are pretty strong, uh, this movement is saying we're 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 trusting God to do a miracle, and it's going to take all different ways of being the church. It's going to take all different kinds of leaders. We're not just look. You guys aren't just looking for one person who can, you know, do this certain model really well. But you're looking for people that are called genuinely called by God, and you're you've got enough flexibility in what you uh, think about as a church that. All these different expressions are welcome. You, you mentioned online and some other things that are not traditionally thought of, but but uh, th- there's an open door for that. So one of the one of the things that 
you said it, churches plant churches. So we're not, as much as we, we do want to find people to plant the churches, maybe even more important is churches that are willing to multiply, that are willing to pivot and change their habits a little bit. So talk to us a little bit about what would you recommend to leaders and pastors of existing churches, of those settlements, you know, those settled churches that are strong and solid? What are some first steps that they can take to get, get into the game of multiplication? And great question. A couple of, I think, really practical next steps or first steps is we've got to create a culture on every church staff where we trust that God speaks to people and it, it, it will not hinder the current church. It will actually help the church. Like if our mission is to join Jesus on his mission to reach lost people, that means we're going to need more people doing it, right? It's tax collectors and fishermen. It's not just theologians, right? We need some anchors in, in theology, right? So you create a culture and, and a environment where we are advocates for people saying yes to obeying God. And that's mm-hmm. really what a church planter does. They said yes to God. Now, the people plant sometimes knowing I don't know what I want it to be. I just know what I don't want it to be. Yeah. Those churches suck most of the time because you attract people that are disgruntled, angry. Right. So it's not like I, I don't like the church. So I'm going to plant a church. It's we believe the gospel transforms lives. And, And so a culture that says, let's dream. The other thing that I think we have to do is we have to, we have to be okay with people doing different expressions of, of being the church, of, of doing church, than what maybe we are most familiar with, right? So I'm 50, which is in some settings, man, I'm the young guy. And others are like, wow, you're still alive, right? It depends on what room I'm in. But I know that what my preferences are, are not the most important thing. It's how do we bring the gospel to a hurting and, and helpless community? Um, and that means there's going to be different um, variations and expressions of that. Um, I think when we sell, whatever we celebrate, people replicate. So a local church can just begin to celebrate what God's doing through other people. And when you celebrate it, now the people in your church are saying, are we doing this? How can we be a part? And I think every church, whether you plant a church or not, you can help someone who plants. And that's what a settlement does. Like they, they leverage all of the resources. Um, they, they, it's a collective place where if someone's wounded, they come in and they get healed but then they get healed so they can play a part and go out, right? It's a place where we can, um, we can do collectively what we can't do individually. And that's, to me, that's the power of cumulative um, prayer, finances, leadership infrastructure to create a framework for other people um, to launch out. And so I, I think one of the best things to breathe life in the existing church is to ask, how are, how are we helping someone else do what God put in their heart to do? And, you know, bottom line is every church at one point was planted. <laughs> okay. So I'll, I'll sometimes be at a conference and say, how many of you are go to a church that was started? Well, it's all of us, right? So <laughs> on mission. And it's probably not just what happens here, but what happens out there too. That's so good, Jeffrey. Thank you. And we've got some questions coming in uh, from those that are watching live on the hub. 
so, and if you're just now tuning in to Live on the Hub, please drop your questions in there. I want to get a chance uh, to answer those. I'm Jason Bowman, part of the Next Wave community here with Next Wave author Steve Pike and Church Multiplication Network Director Jeffrey Portman. Um, you talking a lot about collaboration and recognizing the call of God on individuals' lives and sending them out. Fantastic. One question, do you collaborate? They're all about that, all about discipleship. They're all about multiplication. Do you collaborate outside of the Assemblies of God? Yeah. Well, first of all, the Big K Kingdom is what matters most. And so we just, that's like publicly and privately, we believe that. I'm also not ashamed to be a Seahawks fan, right? Come on. So I can love football and cheer for one team specifically, right? Yeah. Uh, I've adopted Kansas City Chiefs, which it's been a rough last few weeks for me. Seahawks are my first team, but I moved to Springfield and I have uh, adopted them. But I, I love football as a, in, as a whole, right? So collaboration isn't necessarily competing but it also doesn't mean I don't have a clear vision. I don't have a strategy. I'm not doing what God's put in my heart. We steward assignments. So I'm stewarding the assignment of leading church multiplication for the assemblies of God. And I love that. But I love our Baptist brothers and sisters and our Lutheran and our Methodists. And, and so I think collaborative, maybe we share resources. We share best practices. We, we have the power of partnership where if someone's hurt, we put an arm around them. No one goes alone. I think that's what those are ways we can partner together and and uh, have that cumulative impact that changes communities. Well, and it's relational. And I love what you just said a minute ago. The Church Multiplication Network isn't planting churches. Regions are planting churches. You know, locals are planting churches. And so I, you know, uh, as part of the Church Multiplication Network, have been a part of the conferences, have been helped plant a, a, a Church Multiplication Network under that umbrella church at one point myself. I would just say there's plenty of room uh, to lean into the friendships and the relationships and the resources. And out of that, comes collaboration uh, and even resources. I, I, I know that those are available. We had another question come in from Brian uh, in the chat and he said, this might be just uh, maybe too niche for the, the conversation, but uh, as a disclaimer, you were talking about planting all different kinds of churches. Steve's talking about all different colors of cats. Uh, but uh, how do you see that multiplication manifested in student ministry culture? Like, is there an opportunity there? Uh, and then what are the pathways to invite, you know, uh, their word was organic, but what are some natural pathways to invite those students both into that multiplication mindset? Do you see that happening? Goodness, Steve, you want to hit that or you want me to right now? No, go, go ahead, Jeffrey. So I think the earlier you can invite people into obedience, the better. Mm. Now, not everyone will plant a church, but we've got to make it normal that people are considering that just like people, call, God calls people to be businesswomen or businessmen. He calls people to be multipliers or church planters. And I think we've got to plant those seeds in elementary school and junior high and high school. Actually, Wes Davis and I, and I wasn't going to talk about, I'm teaching on this later, but we have our, our blue line strategy, right? And basically in order for someone to, to become a great doctor, they have to be a, a part of apprenticeship. Well, that means they should apprentice them with someone who's doing it and they're doing it well. Well, I think student ministry is one of the incredibly critical first stages of helping um, people step into God's plan for their life, right? So are you inviting people who are teenagers 
into the story of the church? Are you inviting them into meetings? Are you letting them have a voice? What stories are you telling that involve students? Um, and I, I think God can speak to someone. I, I'm, I'm a b- big believer in God calling people. And uh, I think we've got to create opportunities for students to say yes to God's call. And then once they've said yes to intentionally disciple and apprentice them, um, if you've ever had surgery, you don't want someone doing a surgery that has an apprentice as a surgeon, right? So I think we can, we can have, uh, whether you call it mentoring or shadowing, the difference between mentoring and apprenticeship is proximity. So dead people are mentors of mine, men and women, writers and podcasts and vlogs, all that. Okay. But apprenticeship happens up close. So Jesus apprenticed with his disciples. He apprenticed them, right? Paul and Timothy, Moses and Joshua. It was proximity. And I think students need to have people they can be in close proximity with that are practitioners and, and um, their voice gets added to the mix. They get some experiences and they start believing, man, God can and, and will use me to do something similar or a new expression of that. Man, so good. Uh, if, you, if you're just uh, tuning in on this platform, uh, we'd love to, uh, on the Exponential Hub, we'd love to have you drop your questions in the comments. <clears throat> I hear both of you. I read it in your book, Steve. I hear you talking about it, Jeffrey. Just this, what I hear is just like a big, you said big K, kingdom mindset. Let's take our resources. It's got to work on the local level. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what the age. Let's encourage obedience towards multiplication. And that you get really close when you start talking about that to what currently the exponentials big theme right now is, is the word together mm-hmm. and, and pursuing really great collaboration. And so uh, actually this comes right from uh, exponential leaders. There's a question from them as they're watching live. What gets you most excited right now when you think and look out there on the horizon for, and, and you're looking at collaborations that may be happening that you didn't see five years ago, or Steve, you didn't see even, you know, 10, 15 years ago when you started, what gets you most excited about kingdom collaboration as it relates to this multiplication conversation? Uh, okay. I, I, yeah. Jeffrey's being, he's going to let me speak. I guess nice. I'm the I guess I'm the elder, so I get to go first, maybe. Uh, but man, number one, hats off to Exponential. Uh, Todd Wilson. Every time I see Todd, he reminds me that I was one of the first denominational leaders that showed up when Exponential was just kind of a small event, relatively speaking. Uh, none of the stuff that it's become was even on the radar screen for most people. I think maybe Todd knew it was coming, but the rest of us didn't see it. Anyway. And, and so I just want to thank Todd and Exponential and, and everything that they're doing to be sort of Switzerland for all of the denominations to come. You know, they don't you don't have to leave your allegiance. You don't have to stop being a Seahawks fan to be a fan of Exponential and to participate in that. And so, you know, God is really using this group. I think they've done some amazing things. I love the uh, the way they've kind of given us a way to sort of think about uh, if, if people aren't familiar with this, they talk about sort of five levels of engagement with multiplication and churches can, you know, instead of thinking, oh man, we got to become a church multiplication movement in one big shot. They, they give you sort of a stair step. Okay. Take wherever you're at on this scale, just try to move to the next thing, just start doing. And so there's just great resources. So first of all, exponential um, I know is continuing to be committed to that. And that's thus their current 
theme. And, and so God's really using them in a great way. I think another thing I'm excited about that is a recent development is I have always thought that college age or university age people that are actually in university or colleges have incredible, whether it's a Bible college or, a, a, you know, a, a Christian college or a secular university, those folks that are followers of Jesus have a, tr- they're just a tremendous uh, potential goldmine for people to, that can be involved in multiplication. And, um, you know, because they're, especially ones that are on secular university campuses, they're learning how to follow Jesus in a, in a pretty tough environment that is, that is kind of a head, a lot of headwinds against their belief system. Um, and, and they're doing that successfully. They're thriving there. And, and that means they can, they've already know how to thrive in a, you know, post-Christian cultural world. And so anyway, they make great team members and some of them are making great church planning leaders. And what I'm really excited about is there is a group right now and in the, the Assemblies of God student ministry uh, wing called the Chi Alpha. It has some, some voice into this group. I'm, I'm in this group and we're talking, it's, it's a connection between um, minister, uh, campus ministry leader groups like Crew and Campus Crusade for Christ, whatever, and church planning leaders. And we're saying, how can we activate these folks? And so that's a fantastic example of conversations that just weren't being had five, five years ago, two years ago. Uh, and so there's new stuff happening. So that's some of the stuff I'm seeing. What about you, Jeffrey? What are some things you're seeing? So, yes, I'll echo you. Chi Alpha is an incredible uh, teammate, partner. Where it's we, not me, right? The mindset that we're bringing to this. Um, and, and to the theme, I didn't realize that was Exponential's theme. I, I probably missed it along the way. But here's the theme uh, for the CMN conference this next March. It's Together We. And there's a, a line after it. Together We Multiply. Together We Mourn. Like we've had, it's been a rough season. A lot of pastors are fragile. They're hurting. They're fatigued. Together We uh, Pray. Together We Collaborate. Together We Give. Um, together We Fight. Together We Worship. Right? So there's. I love hearing that, Jason, because it's just, this is what the Spirit's saying to the church, right? There's an alignment to it. So that, even that gets me fired up that we're not going somewhere in our little track, our little sliver called the Assemblies of God, but collectively we're part of something that's so much bigger. Um, and so whether it's Chi Alpha on a, a, you know, a public university campus, uh, or it's one of our Assemblies of God universities, or it's across the street, or we'd say coworkers or classmates, right? God's calling people. And we have the privilege of um, inviting them to become followers of Jesus, but then also to bring people with them. And that's the, like the intentional discipleship. The best churches have a clear strategy and process for people to go further into their relationship with Jesus. Now, one of the things I love about Exponential, we just read through Hero Maker, with our, um, with our staff, because we're asking like, how do we listen and learn from so many of these other dynamic organizations? So the collaborative, like how do we grow together? Well, we listen and we honor each other, we pray. There's times where we link arms, but even if we're not linking arms, we're still partnering in the same direction in the kingdom of God. And, and I think that just honors God. And I won't take a long time to preach this, but Romans 15, five and six, it says, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you worship Christ. 
so that with one heart, one mouth, we may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think that's what we're doing as a body of Christ, as church multiplication organizations. And I, I know that honors God. Yeah, uh, that's so good. Uh, if you're just tuning in, uh, you jumped right into the deep end of this multiplication conversation. We're in episode 11, cracking the code of 21st century ministry with Next Wave author Steve Pike and Church Multiplication Network director Jeffrey Portman on the Exponential Hub. Uh, I'm Jason Bowman, and I just want to invite anyone watching, drop some questions. We do have some uh, time to get to uh, to a few more of those. I got one more that just came in. This is this is from Jason Stewart. He's the COO of Exponential. Uh, in in a recent Exponential study, uh, they found that about seven percent is all of churches in the United States are reproducing and multiplying, right? Which is the goal of exponential. Let's not just satisfy ourselves with seeing additional growth. Let's get to where we're reproducing ourselves, And then where those that we're reproducing are reproducing. Let's get something exponential started. So only about 7% are there. Uh, and then they also found, and this is fascinating, only about 70, only, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we found that 76% of new church plants, so the mass majority of new church plants never plant. So mm -hmm. 76% of current plants don't have that same DNA that you started New Hope with. I, I'm just, I, even though hearing your story, I'm thinking the leadership help that it would have helped me to go into when I planted to already have, we're going to plant more churches out of this. I think I, I, one, I think it would have helped me as a pastor, as a planter yeah. to say, what we're doing here is bigger than us. And, and from the get go, it's bigger from a uh, bigger than us, but you talked about weighing out some options. Do I go into an existing congregation and help them move towards multiplication, which if only 7% are multiplying, there's a need there. Or if I plant, or do I plant? But then when you planted, you went multiplication route. So I, I'm just wondering, we have people watching. They're a part of a church that got started, maybe some of them a long time ago. But even if they got, even if we're talking to church planters right now, the majority that are being planted aren't planting with that multiplication. What are, do you have any nuts and bolts, regardless of if you're talking to pastor in general, church planter in general that says, yeah, do this from the beginning or, or take your existing DNA and, and how can you help move it so that we can earlier on in the church plant life cycle or right away get that multiplication mindset rolling? Okay, to, to speak to the church that already planted and, and they haven't multiplied, which is what, 93%, right? I, I think we can even just take this perspective that you can't go back, but you can't go forward. So what does, what does going forward look like? And what's so beautiful about the gospel is it's a multiplication uh, story, right? And it was, Jesus didn't say, hey, I want you to go to a, cert a certain group. It was Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends. That's the whole world, right? So you're already part of something that's bigger than yourself. That's already multiplication mindset. But what you have to figure out is what's the language? And, you know, language creates and it also continues culture, right? So what, what is in your language as a church that speaks to multiplication as one of your values. And, and, and I'm not saying you have to change your whole church's vision statement, but if it doesn't involve arrows out, others' mindedness, um, we might be missing an opportunity to engage people on the mission in their generosity, in their prayer, in their gifts. So what I, one of the things I, I think that's beautiful about a church that has multiplication in their DNA 
is they're always thinking we and more. And I don't mean more like, you know, unsettled with what we have, but we're not, we're not settling with what we already have. We're asking how do we continue to impact communities in addition to where God's put us? Well, what that does is that draws people to your team that are thinking the same thing. And I, I, with everything in me, I believe one of the reasons that we planted five churches in five years, which no one's patting themselves on the back, we're just operating in obedience, okay? But I think one of the reasons we saw that happen was because we had clearly articulated the vision and people joined the team knowing there's going to be a part and an opportunity for them. I just got off a coaching call with somebody and they're wrestling through, they're on a team, existing church, great church, large church but they're not sure that there's a future for them at the church and their gifts. A multiplying church draws people that, that have the capacity to step into new assignments in new seasons. Um, and there's power in that. Yeah, so, that's great. So, good. so, so Jeffrey, uh, I know there's another question. I think there's another question, but let me just throw this in really quick, make sure we get it in. Cause I think it's really important. Uh, a lot of people that are watching this right now and, and will be watching the recording are not they're not part of the assemblies of god maybe not even familiar with it we've we've sort of recognized this that's that you're leading the cmn deal what would you say to a person who says how can see i'm not ag i don't actually ever want to be ag maybe they have a theological difference that how can cmn help them uh be be involved in multiplication well first of all just understanding that we're in this together kind of take kind of the walls just fall down So I'll say this publicly as well as I do privately, like we're in this together, okay? So this is about Jesus Christ and him crucified. There's, we we talk about preferences, convictions, and absolutes. The absolute is Jesus is Lord. He he is the, he's not our last hope. He's our only hope. So we just like rally around that, okay? Uh, Some resources. Um, CMN lead is a, it's a free resource. There are literally hundreds of resources, tools, um, videos, series, documents, best practices. And this is what I love. It's content for us, by us. And what I mean by that, it's not ingrown, but it's different pastors from across the nation in different contexts, communities, helping develop other pastors, right? So CMN lead. And then even if you just consider like churchmultiplication.net, there's all sorts of resources. That's our homepage. And then we have a conference in, uh, and everyone has conference. So Go to the, go to keep growing is our commitment, right? But we have a conference that we have every year, the CMN conference. That's not exclusive for the Assemblies of God family. It's for the kingdom. Do we lead it? So are there flavors of the Assemblies of God? Of course. We love ARC. We love all these other church planning organizations, but it's not exclusive to, to our CMN family. So those are a couple of ways. We, we're about to launch a brand new expression for training called multi-site track um, that is uh, launch is our, our uh, strategy for taking someone from a dream to a plan. And we do eight or nine of those. We do one in Puerto Rico usually as well, but we do eight of those across the, the regions. And um, most of the people there are symbols of God, but not all. And it's best practices from practitioners. You have a coach uh, at your table, people who are again, practitioners. So there's just different expressions where, Maybe we could come alongside aside you and it helps with resourcing, uh, be some wind in your sails. And if you are a part of the Assemblies of God, we have funding, post, 
launch as well as pre-launch. We have ongoing coaching. And so, but Big K Kingdom is, is really where it's at. I love that. I just want to make sure everyone heard that. It's churchmultiplication.net. Yes. Um, you can check out the resource there or cmnlead.com. Um, and we've got one more question and I think I'd love to, love to get both of you to, uh, weigh in on this. Cause I know it, it goes right along with the whole, your whole book, Steve, and, um, and, and even the tools that we mentioned at nextwave.community uh, slash tools, it's really brings this whole conversation full circle. So I'm really, ha- I'm really excited to get this to this question from Anna about discipleship because we kind of started there and then we went way up, right? 30, 40, 50,000 foot and got the big view. Uh, and now here we are landing right back uh, in this conversation about uh, discipleship. And so, uh, but I want to make sure everyone got those uh, those links, churchmultiplication.net. Uh, we have nextwave.community uh, slash tools uh, for the online calculator. You can go to nextwave.community slash exponential if you love conversations like this. In the, in the Next Wave community, we're having these all the time, uh, every week uh, with Steve and other individuals. Jeffrey's been in there uh, as well as others. Uh, it's, and, but Steve, you wrote in your book, uh, Next Wave, about discipleship that leads to multiplication. And the last question right. says, uh, what is your assembly of God take? And I, I think I know it, and it's probably a general take. So I don't, I might even just not to edit out the assemblies of God, but, uh, what is your take on uh, disciple making movement as a church planting strategy? And so I think it's a, it's such a springboard question. I wanted, we've got about seven minutes left. I wanted each of you to weigh in discipleship making movement and yeah. church planning strategy. And then I've got a resource for everyone uh, right after this. Go ahead, Steve. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll start. And Jeff, Jeffrey, as usual, could clean up my mess. How about Perfect. that? Fix, fix all the stuff I say. So just to, just to be as concise as possible, um, I, I started a church. When I started a church, I started it. My, the first church I planned was in Utah, where at that time they said less than one half of 1% of the population were Christian. And they already had a church they were going to. So basically the only way to grow the church there was actually to help people begin to follow Jesus. And what we discovered was when you're starting with people who don't have a background at all in a Christian church, you can't just go out there and say, hey, you know, you need to give your heart to Jesus, right? Yeah, you've got to do some work in advance. So what that caused us to realize was that Disciple making starts before people actually make a profession to follow Jesus. It starts with, like you talked about, Jeffrey, your encounter with your neighbor. Um, that was the beginning of disciple making. And so, one of the things we had to do in Utah was become the intentional about what we did before somebody had decided to follow Christ, how we engaged with people, how we connected with people, all that kind of stuff. And that applies directly to the question that Anna asked is, you know, if you want to start a church that's with Jesus on his mission, the first thing you do is do what he told you to do is go out and start making disciples. <laughs> and that means you go out and start engaging with people where they're at. You're not, you don't invite them to a, necessarily invite them to a service or something. You invite them into your life. You invite them, you walk with them, you, you move with them. And, and, and out of that, begins, then people are going to begin to follow Jesus. And as that uh, group of people grows, then some, at some point you maybe reach a critical mass where it makes sense to gather everybody together. But so to answer Anna's question, I mean, my perspective on disciple making is 
Jesus said, make disciples. And I think evangelism kind of happens in the middle of that. And, but the whole thing is disciple making. And I think where the church needs to give more emphasis, and I talk about this in the book, is to the pre-conversion disciple making. We need to become really good at being great friends to sinners. That's what Jesus was accused of. We need to do a great job of learning how to engage with our neighbors. And so that's how people will plant effective churches in the 21st century. Jeffrey, clean up that mess, please. No, I, that's so good. And I just, so what Steve said, uh, and just times 10. I'll, I'll just add a couple thoughts and we, we, the strategy we took at new hope. And, and I think this, when I say new hope, it really is just acts too. It says in acts two that they met together in the temple courts and from house to house. So we broke that down. The two pedals that move the mission of the church forward is gatherings. And those might be big, that's relative, but it's groups. And typically those are smaller, right? So I think uh, uh, Christians are asking, when does church meet? What, what is the style? Tell me about the worship. Is there a kid ministry? A non-Christian saying, they don't ask any of those questions, right? So like when we were launching New Hope, the people who were already Christians or had a church memory, they're saying, hey, when are we gathering? The non-Christians in my neighborhood and in our community were saying, are we going to coffee? So it was, it's, it's a, a combination. If, and for me personally, there is something about the group expanding that's why gatherings are so valuable. Don't forsake meeting together, the worship, the teaching, the shared collaborative capacity to go on mission together is bigger in a, in a, you know, a gathering versus in a group. But the group is where it's life on life, as Steve referred to. It's, it's connecting. Like I'll say it this way, like who knows if my marriage is struggling? Probably not a big gathering. But when I'm in a group and I'm, I'm like doing life with people, I'm letting people into my world. And we're on this journey of, of, and journey is overused, but really it's not like you don't snap your fingers, like sanctification, right? Instant, but progressive. Well, that's discipleship making. I opt in and I say yes to Jesus. And then I become a follower of him. I heard someone say this the other day, and if I knew who it was, I would quote them. Um, but it, it, many people are find Jesus. Few people follow Jesus. And I think a discipleship strategy isn't just you find Jesus, but you actually choose to follow him. So you're in the word together. You're praying together. You're probably breaking bread and having, I don't know, some moments together. So as far as a strategy, no healthy church. Um, I'll say that every healthy church makes disciples. Unhealthy churches don't. So if you're going to multiply, you don't want to multiply something unhealthy. So you can't, you can't have a healthy church without doing what Jesus said, go and make disciples. So So good. Thank you both so much. Uh, Got a couple resources for everyone that's watching. We already mentioned the nextwave.community slash tools. That'll talk about discipleship making and and how the small relates to the large gathering. Uh, We've also got uh, the book. If you haven't bought nextwave.community slash book, you can check that out slash exponential. Uh, We've got a free month for you in our online community. We'd love to have you a part. Uh, you mentioned Wes Davis and the blue line strategy a few minutes ago. And I know I've been a part of his team working on, uh, working on some discipleship, uh, curriculum is a strong word in our mind. The, the words of Jesus is the curriculum. We do have a framework and right now today it is available for free for everyone at the Jesus It's called the Jesus experience. And we're finding it very fruitful to invite people to read a biography of Jesus 
with their neighbors. So they're not inviting them into a program or even into a small group, even though it might be a small group, but read a biography of Jesus, take some practices from the church and watch the fruit happen. That's the jesusxp.com for those resources for anyone else watching. Uh, Jeffrey Portman, thank you so much. Fantastic stuff. Uh, everyone, anyone, connect with him, churchmultiplication.net. Uh, Steve Pike and the Next Wave uh, book, Authorship Man, thank you so much. I'm Jason Bowman. Thanks for being a part of the Exponential Hub.